Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. A reminder that if you want to watch the entire service, our services are available on our YouTube channel linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available, and you can do this using your favorite podcasting app. We would love it if you would help to support the missions and ministries here at Beach Grove through your tithes and your offerings. A donation link is also linked in the notes below. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. The scripture for this message comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instructions, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. Lord, that through your word for us this day, we would begin to prepare ourselves for the incarnation, for Emmanuel, for God with us, as we look towards the birth of our Savior. Amen. So in 2008, there was a Mexican-born artist named Pedro Reyes. And he wanted to offer a way back to his, offer a way back to his community in this town city in Mexico called Culiacan, a message of hope amidst horrific tragedy, where they had the nation's highest gun death rate in the country. And so Reyes saw this harm that was being done, and he offered to start a program called Palas por Pistolas, shovels for weapons. Reyes collected 1,500 firearms, and he, and he and a crew melted and turned them into shovels for persons to plant trees. This is a mentality that we gain from this scripture. Right? We look at the state of the world, and we see tumult, we see chaos, we see violence around us, and oftentimes we approach it with this apathy of understanding, thinking, oh, it's just going to continue to happen. Even our national landscape leaves much to be desired, and we're often left solely with thoughts and prayers rather than transformational action that creates a more peace-filled society. But why is this? Why do we fail to uphold passages like this? Why do we meet violence with more violence? Why is war the name of the day? 
You see, re- retaliation and retribution, these are, these are human-made concepts. We've, we've made these things into what they are. Born out of hatred, born out of contempt, born out of trying to respond and retaliate when we feel like we have been offended. And the response is flood the markets with more violence, more hurt, more pain. Rather than looking at passages like this that call us to a different understanding. This transformational change that we are called towards. This Advent season, we're going to unpack the beginning of the book of Isaiah. We're going to unpack this nature of these spoken callings that have been given to us in these Hebrew scriptures. And especially these passages that we as Christians have latched onto as prophecies, not just prophecies for, for a kingdom in Israel, but prophecies for a kingdom of God lived out and bred through the life of Jesus Christ. And yet prophecies that we often seem to fall short on when it comes to the transformation that we are called to. Right, we just came out of this series of looking at these, these signs of Jesus from the Gospel of John. And now I invite us to turn ourselves towards cards that are offered from Isaiah. Right, throughout the holiday season, we are going to receive a countless number of cards, right? They're just going to flood our mailboxes or inboxes now that people send e-Christmas cards now. We're going to hang them on our mantle or from something, and we're going to have all of these Christmas cards. And yet there are some Christmas cards that we are going to be looking at over the next four weeks. Christmas cards that, much like the signs in the book of John, point us towards something that is greater than ourselves. Right? Oftentimes, those Christmas cards come in throughout the holiday season. They point us toward the holiday that is about to come. They begin to fill us with the joy of the season. And they begin to point us towards something amazing that is about to happen. And so, too, does Isaiah begin to point us towards the reconciliation and redemption that God offers through a messianic figure, through a kingdom that is Jerusalem, and pointing us as Christians towards our own Savior, towards the understanding of the kingdom that we gain through Jesus Christ. Right? These Christmas cards from Isaiah, as I'm calling it, shepherding in a true time a time of true justice for humanity, pointing us towards that transformational change, not just for the people of Israel and Judea, but for all of humanity. Isn't that what Christ comes to do? And so when we dive into this passage, we encounter this sense of longing from the writer. Right, Isaiah is traditionally broken up into three sections. You have 1st Isaiah, 2nd Isaiah, and 3rd Isaiah. The passages that we're looking at in this, uh, in this series all come from this first section of Isaiah, chapters 1 to 39. And it is identified by being the true voice of the prophet Isaiah. That is, that the other ones latching on to this voice, are they're not Isaiah himself. They are prophets that come forth in the name of Isaiah to help to continue the legacy, the prophecy of what Isaiah is preaching. Because in the three sections of Isaiah is broken down based on who Isaiah is writing to as the kingdom of Israel. 
Right, the first section of Isaiah writes to an Israel before the Babylonian exile. It is preparing them. It is calling them towards a kingdom. The second part of Isaiah being written, written to an Israel that is in exile, an Israel that has been conquered by Babylon, is now is looking for hope and comfort. And then the third part, an Israel that is returning to their homeland. And so we can see from that understanding as we enter this first section of Isaiah and we begin to look at these passages as a land that is on the precipice of something that they do not know about. Right? They are unaware of the conquest that is about to befall them. They are unaware that in that conquest they are going to be exiled to lands foreign and beyond their borders. And as Isaiah does this work of trying to warn them, of trying to speak to them, and at the same time trying to speak of a kingdom that goes beyond what happens in Israel. Look towards a nation that is transformed by this nature of God. And especially here in chapter 2, Isaiah is looking towards a people who will rest their faith in God. And they will know and understand the need for what God is offering them. Right? So oftentimes these days, I hear about the end times. We are in the end times. We see all of these things that uh, magically say that we've read from Scripture that predict that the end of days is coming. And yet no one really looks at this passage to help us to understand. Right? We're not, I'm, I'm going to flat out say it, we're not, we're not in the end times. One, because we have no idea when the end times is coming, let alone that we predict it by a series of events, but... Two, when we begin to look at this understanding of apocalyptic revelation, that is this nature in which how God is being revealed through the kingdom. We see in it this nature of God speaking to humanity, humanity coming before God. And humanity doing this work alongside. Not to just watch the world burn, but that humanity is doing the work that God calls us to do. God uses the hands and feet of Christ. God uses our own hands and feet to help in this work to build the kingdom here on earth. Right? We look towards Isaiah to give us insight into this promised hope of Jerusalem. And when we couple that with this understanding of the kingdom that we receive through Jesus Christ, we truly begin to understand the role that we play in the kingdom. That Isaiah offers the people of Israel and Judea the mountain of the Lord. Right? Hearkening to those images of, of Moses, of, of Ezekiel, of Elijah, going to these high off places and encountering God. And so too, the nation of Israel will go to this great mountain, a holy city built on a hill, and approach it in a manner and spirit of knowing, seeing, and believing in who God truly is. We approach the kingdom with the same humility and understanding of peace that we receive from Christ, and we note the work that we are called to do as we approach that kingdom. Right, in the, in the Vietnam War, right, one of the most probably controversial wars in the history of the USA we begin to see this nature of peace activism begin to, to come about, really begin to take hold in our society. And out of that comes this, this great Christmas song. Because, I, I, friends, I couldn't make it that long without a Christmas song. 
It's Advent, and I am one who believes that we should save the Christmas carols for Christmas, and sometimes that's easier said than done for me because I love them a lot. But here we have our first Christmas song. It was, it was written by John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Many of you may know it. It's called Happy Christmas, but there's a subtext called War is Over. And I love the second verse that sits within it because to me it reflects this understanding of how we are doing the work as we look towards Christ of embodying God's kingdom. Right? You have the text that's at the top. You have the, you have the vocalized text done by, done by Yoko Ono. And, and so this is Christmas. For weak and for strong, for rich and the poor ones, the road is so long. And so happy Christmas for black and for white, for yellow and red ones, Let's all stop the fight. But see, the cool thing is under that, in the original version, you have the, the Harlem chancel choir singing under that along with Yoko Ono. War is over if you want to. War is over now. War is over if you want to. War is over now. You see, there's this understanding in which we, humanity, play this role in violence. No ordinary call for Christmas, but one derived from passages like this that call us to hope for a world that is guided and bound by the calling that Jesus puts upon our lives. A message promised by God to be one that is reflected in this passage. I mean, listen to those verses three and four again. Come, let us go up to the mountain of God, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. You see, we are called to recognize God on the mountaintop, to live into God's word and reside in the kingdom. And in doing so, to lay down those arms, to lay down all of the ways that we hurt people. The physical imagery of swords into plowshares offered to hear. We, we heard about it embodied in that story at the beginning of the sermon with Pedro Reyes to show us that transformation of these weapons of violence and war to becoming tools of peace and service. Right, we have all seen it. I mean, the past few weeks alone, we have had three mass shootings in Virginia, culminating in one that just hits so close to us, right in Chesapeake, Virginia, raising again this, this gun debate here in our nation, but even more so raising the stakes, not just of the physical imagery of the weapons of violence, but the metaphorical imagery of the weapons of violence. Friends, it's not just about the guns. It's not just about the swords. It's not just about all of these physical weapons, but it is about the metaphorical ones as well. The words that we use, the relationships that we have, how we interact with one another. All of these being weapons of violence, of war, of harm, and of hate. And all of them are being called to be turned into weapons, tools of service for God. We take them and we transform them. Right? What's happened to turning swords into plowshares? What has happened turning spears into pruning hooks, guns into shovels? What has happened turning words of, love, of hate into words of love? No, instead, we have picked up our swords. Instead, we have decided that I will die on this hill. Instead, we have taken the stance of Peter in the last days of Jesus. 
feeling hurt and harmed, and instead reaching out with our sword to cut the ear of the centurion off. Because we respond violence with violence, we respond hate with hate, and we have forgotten the hope that is offered through Jesus Christ. Right? We look at mass shooting incidents, like UVA, like Chesapeake. We look at neighborhoods wrought with violence, and we respond by putting more violence into the situation. We have looked and seen the harm and pain that befalls people. And instead of finding empathy to love and to care, to serve and to give, we have made them the enemy. When I think about what Isaiah is calling us towards in this passage, it's that baby that changes the world. Because then, in verse 5, comes that closing plea of Isaiah. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Right In doing so, we are called to walk in the light that God offers to us. We are called to walk in the light that is Jesus. To lay down the the hurtful language, to lay down the, the Facebook memes, to lay down the racism, the sexism, the disenfranchisement, to lay down the weapons of harm that we pick up and we take out into the world. And to pick up the tools of service that God offers to each and every one of us. Let us find how to transform those, even transform those weapons. Our swords into plowshares. Transform our harmful words into ones that are kind and loving. To transform our judgment into overwhelming acceptance and love. Because friends, the world will not change if we don't do it ourselves. We walk in the light of the Lord, knowing we have met him on the mountaintop. And we come down to transform the world using the tools of peace and of love and of mercy that have been given to us. What are the roles that we are playing in this peace? What are the weapons that need to be made into tools of service? Friends, let's, let's all stop the fight now. That is the hope that is offered in this Advent season, that we can look towards a peace-filled society that is not led by hate or violence, but is led by peace, love, and joy. The other banners that we'll get to in the coming weeks. A world that is led by the love and grace of Jesus. Amen.